Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. This week, we're going to break new ground on a Florida true crime story about divorce that led to foreclosure that led to multiple deaths in 2014. So the battles over money and the family's foreclosed home were all clues that painted a picture of what drove a mother to madness. This story became an international sensation. It's a parasite. What is a parasite? Not a parasite. A parasite. It's a murder-suicide involving a parent. And this happened in January, January 13th, 2014. So relatively recently, six years ago, police were alerted by a man by the name of Richard Berman. He is actually a Palm Beach realtor. And he called 911 to let them know about a tragic multiple shooting. It was shortly after 8 a.m. on the 13th. Investigators treated the deaths as a murder-suicide or a parasite after they found that all three people had apparently died from gunshot wounds. Richard Berman was never considered a suspect. But I spoke with a recent boyfriend of Jennifer Berman, Richard Berman's ex-wife, who has a different take on this whole case, and he doesn't believe that Jennifer Berman was capable of killing her children and herself. And this man, we'll call him Michael, knew Jennifer intimately. Now, the story begins with 51-year-old Palm Beach realtor Richard Berman rushing to their West Palm Beach home that he once shared with his family immediately after his ex-wife, 48-year-old Jennifer Berman, sent him an email about her crazy intention to murder their children. This dramatic 911 tape details what happens after Richard Berman arrives at the home. I'm, I'm just about getting there, but it's kind of concerning me. My ex-wife said that she was going to harm the kids and then I should get over there SAP. But to be honest with you, I'm afraid to go in. Okay, how many, how uh, many kids are in the house? My two children and my ex-wife, but I don't know if they're there. I mean, but the car's in the driveway. It, are they and her I kids also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just recently got divorced. Was it a text or a... Well, she sent me an email that uh, uh, that... She did the she did the best thing for our family, and uh, and then she sent my her cousin a text that she was going to kill the kids and 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 herself, and she's up in Port St. Lucie, and she's freaking out. And she called me, and now I'm in front of the house, and then I should get here ASAP. So while this is all going on, a neighbor runs into the house, and the dispatcher asks Richard about possible guns in the home. Does she have any weapons in that house? Possibly. What do you mean? Do you know of any weapons? I, I remember there were. What kind? I'm sorry. I, I'm here with a neighbor. Okay, but I need this information from you. What kind, of, what kind of weapons have you seen in the house? Well, I remember she had her dad's old rifles. So apparently the couple, now divorced, was having financial problems, and Richard was letting that house go into foreclosure. So pondering the idea that there may be weapons in the home, the neighbor comes flying out and tells Richard that there's blood on the wall. And this is her house? Yeah. Well, we just sold it recently, and she's been renting it. I'm, I'm in the driveway, and my neighbor just went in to, to, to look to see what's going on. How yeah. old are the kids? I don't know if she's... Uh, 15 and 16. There's what? 
There's blood on the walls. And despite the dispatcher's repeated warnings, Richard went inside and encountered an unimaginable grisly scene. His children shot dead in their bed and his ex-wife shot in the head as well. What's going on? Oh, jeez. I'm on with 911. What's going on, sir? My neighbor went in and there's blood up on the wall in, 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 in near her bedroom. Where are the kids? Okay, are the kids okay? I don't know. Yeah, get, somebody get me medics. We got, we're getting, we have police and paramedics on the way, sir. Her car's there. I'm afraid to go upstairs. Don't, you need, you need to stay outside. The officers want you to stay outside, sir. We need we need your neighbor outside too. We need everybody outside. Hey, sure. I can't so, talk right now. I I know I know I know. I need okay. you to be calm. Though. Did she say anything else? Did she say? Did she see your daughter? She said they're both upstairs in my in in. in she thinks they are. She thinks they are what? Upstairs in the bed. Yeah yeah. I'm sorry. Sir, that that's okay. Can I speak to the neighbor? Hi. What did you Hi, see? Um, uh, well, there's all this blood upstairs. The police are here right now, and I went up, and it, it, it looked like I think the girl's up in bed with her. But once I got up, I saw what was up there. I had to run back downstairs, and he told me to come outside. The two police just went in the front door. All right, the police are there. Yes, ma'am. All right, thank you, ma'am. Okay, do you want me to hang up the phone now? Yes, yes, you can hang up now. Whew. So some tense moments before Richard Berman discovers that his 15-year-old daughter Jacqueline and 16-year-old son Alexander were shot dead by their own mother. Berman told the 911 operator that his son is not moving and that there's blood in his ear. He managed to sputter after finding the 16-year-old son. I can't believe this is happening. So what led up to this? Richard Berman originally filed for divorce in 2008. 16 years after they first married, the couple really had an on-again, off-again relationship. They were living a very lavish life because of Berman's real estate company. But in 2008, of course, the market turned. So that's when he originally filed for divorce. And they reconciled. And then again, they finally got divorced in 2014, 2013. But Jennifer Berman was struggling to get by without her ex-husband, and the mother of two could no longer afford to pay her divorce attorney. Jennifer was in such financial straits that she was forced to sell her late father's watch in order to buy groceries. Now, the home that the family was living in once belonged to Jennifer Berman's mother, who was a nurse, and had been in foreclosure since 2010. So both Jennifer and Richard Berman are real estate agents, and he was a successful realtor. He sells multi-million dollar homes in South Florida. Things had become so tense in the family home that Jennifer Berman had petitioned a judge to remove her husband from the home because of emotional abuse. Now, the family had previously lived at another home in the historic and exclusive El Cid neighborhood. That home sold for $1.2 million in 2010. And again, the home in which the murder-suicide took place had previously belonged to Jennifer's mom, and that property was in foreclosure and was finally sold, and Jennifer was renting it at the time of the deaths. Court documents read the husband has not paid the mortgage on the former marital home during the entire time of the dissolution of the marriage proceeding. Jennifer's court documents went on to say he has not contributed to the support of the wife or the minor children. In fact, he has refused to pay for toilet paper, buys food and supplies for himself, and keeps them where the wife and children cannot access them. In a weird way, Richard was still living with the family in the house for a time. And then finally, Jennifer said, you need to get the hell out. And Mike, the boyfriend who you're about to hear from, totally agreed. 
However, court records did show that Richard Berman gave his wife the family home in the divorce and paid $600 a month child support. Now, the two children were talented musicians. They both attended the nearby Alexander Dreyfus School of the Arts. It's a very prestigious arts high school in South Florida. And the couple shared equal custody of the two teenage children. And close friends say that they remember Alexander Berman was an accomplished cello player. And his sister Jacqueline was extremely talented at the violin and a straight A student. So, of course, after their death, grief counselors were made available at the teen school as their friends and peers came to grips with the tragedy of what had happened to them shot by their own mother at least that's what the police said so the Bermans married in 1992 in Miami and Mr. Berman Richard first filed for divorce as I said in 2008 and the couple reconciled then Jennifer Berman filed for divorce in 2012 but the couple remained living under the same roof for a while which was very tense well enter a past boyfriend He was her boyfriend right up almost until the time she died. We're going to call him Mike because he says he's afraid for his life because he's speaking out about Jennifer's death. I have also disguised Mike's voice to protect his identity. Now, Mike has insight on his then-girlfriend Jennifer and what she was like before her death. This is never-before-reported information about this horrible murder-suicide. All right, so... Mike, I just wanted to ask you a couple of things. How did you, first of all, meet Jennifer Berman, and when did you meet her? Through friends of friends on Facebook, and, uh, and then uh, at functions, downtown West Palm, networking. How long did you date? On and off for 10 months. Wow, so you knew her pretty well. Well as I could, without ever actually going to the house. You didn't go to the house that used to be her mother's house. It wasn't the couple's house, the million-dollar no, house. The mother's house where the scene was. Right. Because she was living there with her ex-husband still. They weren't divorced uh, legally, but he had his own room for like seven years or something, eight years. And um, uh, he wouldn't move out. And, it would, and the house was, uh, I think it was 51% owned by the mom. At the end, Jennifer owned 75% of the house. Okay, so tell me a little bit about Jennifer. What did she look like? Was she lovely? Was she a kind person? Yeah. She was very lovely, a beautiful redhead and, uh, and kind. She was a, a little dingy, but sweet for the most part, I think. Oh, well, to me, she kind of had the personality of an adult child. Ah. So was she out of touch, you're saying? Well, I don't know if she was out of touch or not. She just, she was very troubled because... She really wanted a divorce bad, but she couldn't afford it. She had no money to get the divorce. Yeah, apparently she couldn't pay her a divorce attorney. The husband um, wasn't helping her pay the mortgage, or she was renting the home at the time, I guess. They had to sell it. Yeah, yeah. he forced the sale of it because he wasn't, she thought he was paying the mortgage, and he wasn't. Um, he was letting it go into foreclosure without telling her. She found out and um, got her, got her, real estate license reenacted and actually found a buyer for the house and uh, sold it before it went into foreclosure. She saved the house. And so she had all the equity that her mom had put in for years, a lot of equity. And there was no reason uh, for her. She had a couple, I think a couple hundred thousand in the bank at the time. The house was being sold for 590,000, but court records said there were two mortgages on it and it would totaled 700,000. Yeah. 
I'm not exactly sure, but her cousin told me when it was all said and done, she had a few hundred thousand left after all the mortgages were paid. Did she tell you that she had to work a lot and sell her father's watch to just buy groceries? Uh, yeah, she was selling a, a lot of her jewelry to buy groceries. And uh, while the husband was still living in the house, the house was robbed and they ransacked the place. And that was when the mother was still alive, too. The mother was home when they did it. They pretended to be from the FPNL or the water department or something and said they needed access to get to the back of the house that she'd have to sign some papers. So while one man kept her busy with the papers, the other man was, was ransacking the bedrooms and they stole from everyone but, but the husband's room. Yeah. And, uh, and she had just taken out all of her jewelry. She had, I think, $100,000 worth of jewelry in a safety deposit box, and it was in her room. They got all of it. She was going to use that money to get the divorce. Got it. And her husband knew it. She told the husband everything. So he knew. He knew that jewelry was there at the time. Wow. That is, yeah. and you, you connect that to then what happened later on. And, and the mm-hmm. weird thing is that Richard Berman is a realtor. So that mm-hmm. he's allowing the family home to go into foreclosure is just mind boggling. He said to her once, uh, he wants to see her, a homeless bag lady, going down the street with a shopping cart. And he said, I wouldn't throw a dime at you, he said. Man, that's brutal. Oh, he was brutal. Huh. So talk to me about the children. They were very talented. They went to the Dreyfus School of the Arts. It's Alexander and Jacqueline, the sister, uh, ages, what, 16 and 15? Did you meet them? I only met them once. We were down the street once at a function, and the kids rode their bikes to it. I met them very briefly, but they seemed like really amazing children. She talked about them constantly. She was such a proud mom. So, Mike, do you find it odd or possible that she could have shot her children in the head? No. Why? I don't. I don't. She loved them so much. And, oh, my God, uh, there's no way. And everyone I talked to that knew her best said absolutely not. And the first person everybody thought about was the ex-husband. For a couple reasons. He did not want to pay child support, and he did not want to pay alimony. So with them all gone, and the house that was the roof over his children's head, he was trying to let foreclose. What did he think was going to happen to the children? That, exactly. So what's weird is that the 911 operator asked Richard if there were any guns in the house, and he said he believed that her father's rifles were in the house. But she ended up using a twenty two, right? I have no idea what the murder weapon ended up being. All I know is I read the newspaper because I, I, I was so shocked and distressed at the time. I, I couldn't even listen to the 911. To this day, I haven't listened to it. All right. Well, I won't and, play it for you then. And I heard um, or I read in the post, I think, that the neighbor had said, oh, my God, because uh, that's, I guess, the first person who in the house was the neighbor. Yes. And he said, oh, my God, her face is shot off. Right. But a twenty-two, as far as I know, does not have the power to shoot your face off. Oh, so maybe it was a rifle. But you said that knowing Jennifer, she would not know her way around a gun. No, she knew nothing about guns. Nothing. And she was kind of ditzy. I, I can't imagine a, a triple murder, let alone a single murder, you know. So they found two empty bottles of wine. Did she have a, an alcohol problem or a substance abuse problem? Well, if she did, she hit it really well. I know she she drank, but, um, you know, I... She was also 
you know, she, she took some medication because she was under so much stress that she, um, she had to calm down. So know, there were was, pharmaceuticals involved. Possibly because the mom was a nurse uh. and, um, and she told me the mom had, had, uh, you know, pharmaceutical problems. Yeah, that happens. Why did you two break up, Mike? Or why did you stop seeing her? Well, because I just felt like she, I, I, you know, she needed to spend more time with her children, I told her. And she needed to get a job. At the time we broke up, she still wasn't working. I wanted her to go back to being a realtor and get divorced. I said, I can't even come visit you because I just don't feel right with this man in your house, me coming to visit you. It's just, you know. The husband needs to get out of the picture. So when you heard about her death and, the, and her children's death, what went through your mind? Well, just at first, just total disbelief and shock and horror. And then, of course, uh, and uh, my mind went right to the ex-husband because when that house was robbed, the, the mother said that the two men that robbed the house had uh, Eastern, with Eastern European accents, like Russian mm. kind of accents. Both of them had accents. These were both men from somewhere else. And apparently there was other homes in the West Palmet area that had the same scenario had happened. And they preyed on older people. And the same accent, I figured it was, you know, the Miami mafia, the Russian mafia out of Miami. Because the Berman family, the father was a big time developer. He developed all of Homestead for the most part. And uh, you can't be that big a developer in Miami without being involved with the Russian mafia. Right, right. Wow. When that house got robbed, I thought, you know, I, I just thought, well, the ex-husband's got ties to the mafia. He had him rob the house. And then when the murders happened, I thought, the same guys that did the, the robbery, I felt were involved with the murder. Well, let's talk about that because it, it's a parasite. I mean, where a parent shoots the children then shoots themselves. But you had some ideas and you spoke to detectives. You asked about the suicide note because there was a note, a letter left. I asked if there was a letter left and they said, no, it was, it was an email. I said, well, if it was typed, anyone could have typed it. If you got an email, it doesn't mean she wrote it. Right. And you then, know, and uh, then when the, f- you went to the funerals for all the children and for her, right? Yes. What happened? Well, the cousin told me that while we were all at the children's funeral, the house was being ransacked. And they said, oh, you can't come in. The crime scene's been compromised because it was robbed during the funeral. But why then, this was two days after the murders, why would a house, a murder scene, not be better protected by the police department during a murder investigation? Because they know that it's very typical during funerals for homes to be getting robbed because the bad guys... They're doing this for years, robbing houses while the person's being buried because they know no one's going to be at the house. Right. They know the funeral's announced where it's going to be and that no one's going to be home. Exactly. Uh, Can you describe the neighborhood? Is it the El Cid neighborhood there in West Palm Beach? Mm -hmm. Very beautiful neighborhood. Very upscale. Mm -hmm. And with older homes? Most of them older. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When police determined that this was a double murder-suicide did you think that Jennifer could have done that? You knew her intimately, so... I did not. And you told detectives that? I did. And what'd they say? It was just one detective, and he said, um, well, we, we've got the note, and uh, there was alcohol and drugs in the house. So uh, that, that was his excuse, I guess, you know, that she was messed up. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, this has, you know, happened recently, actually, if you want to think about it. Not that long ago that this happened. So it must still be very upsetting for you. And I, I thank you for sharing your story. Well, my-
my pleasure. It would be really uh, interesting to see if some new leads come out of this somehow to open it back up because the whole thing just, I, I just will never believe she did this. It's really odd. I know you didn't meet Richard Berman, but when you hear him on the 911 tape and you see him being interviewed, he seems sort of detached. Sad story. But I talked to some people that work with him actually a few years back, and they said they, they were suspicious of him as well, the people that worked with him. And they said he's, he's an odd man who doesn't seem to have to have much of a soul. Oh, wow. That's chilling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you Thank so you. much, Mike, for helping me on this full rigor podcast. You're very welcome. Thanks for looking into it. Okay. So there you have it. I will keep you posted if anything new develops on this parasite. Tragic murder-suicide. A mother and her two children dead in a West Palm Beach home in 2014. You know, as a mother, I just cannot fathom the idea of taking the life of my child, let alone two children, unless maybe Jennifer thought they'd be in a better place with her dead. Also, when she shot the one child, wouldn't the other child hear the gunshot and bolt, run? I mean, that's what most kids that age would do, you would think. How did she control the crime scene? I'm sure you have many, many questions, as do I, and we may get some answers in the future. Make sure you check us out on Instagram at Full Rigor Podcast. And also don't forget to give us five stars. That's Full Rigor. Until next week, thanks for joining me. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, Ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.